0: Whether you're the casual hockey observer or the epitome of a Rabbit Hawks fan, Black Hawks Live answers all your questions. It's just been a good sign this year that they all seem to be having fun getting along and working hard. I love those three things together. Joe Brand delivers the news, notes, and everyday gossip from the Madhouse on Madison. Here's Joe Brand.
1: Well, it's all coming to an end tomorrow night, but just how much of an end? Will it be the final time that Jonathan Taves will play in a red sweater at the United Center? We'll just have to wait and see. Not quite sure if Jonathan Taves even knows the answer to that question. I'm Joe Brand. This is Blackhawks Live. Our producer is Jack Heinrich. We've got two more left, so this is the penultimate episode of Blackhawks Live with one game remaining in the regular season tomorrow night at the United Center against the Philadelphia Flyers. A 7.30 puck drop, a 7 o'clock pregame show and obviously a big win yesterday against the Pittsburgh Penguins but for a lot of people I'm guessing the term big might mean a different reasoning that you typically attach to a victory Blackhawks went in to PPG Paints Arena in Pittsburgh taking on a Penguins team that needed to win that game in order to set themselves up to clinch their own playoff berth. Pittsburgh 1 point behind the New York Islanders. With a win yesterday would have leapfrogged them over the New York Islanders, leapfrog, is that the right term? Either way. And then they would have been in control of their own destiny with needing only one more win. Currently the New York Islanders lead the Montreal Canadiens 2-1. I think the Islanders, yeah, the Islanders only need 1 point to clinch a playoff spot. They could still grab the top wild card spot of that Eastern Conference. And another game that Hawks fans might keep their eye on later tonight the San Jose Sharks visiting the Calgary Flames. Eyes will be on that game for Blackhawks fans because after yesterday's win over the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Hawks are now third in reverse standings of the NHL, meaning for the rebuild for the upcoming draft lottery. If the season ended today, it'd be the Columbus Blue Jackets with the best chance of landing the top, the number 1 overall pick, which everyone has speculated is Connor Bedard. The Blackhawks had a chance to put themselves in that spot, but they went ahead and played a hard game and beat the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now, I get it. I get where the frustration comes from. I understand why fans are a little on edge because of what is possible at hand. But I'll say it again, it's not up to the players, it's not up to the coaching staff to care about where the Blackhawks land in the draft lottery. And even if they did, nothing is guaranteed. Jack Heinrich is our producer. He's been so all year long. Jack, we've we've talked about this so much. Do you have any other thoughts to pile on with this? Um, I mean, you hit it on the head. It's,
0: I mean, you look at like Boston, the Boston game and Pittsburgh game and it's games they probably would lose. And if they end up not getting number one pick, you probably look back on them. But I was just thinking on the way home yesterday, they, they didn't have Reichel and Vlasic cause they got sent down. Radish was out cause he's hurt. Tenordi was out cause they hurt. He's hurt. So, I mean, they didn't have a lot of their main guys and they still found a way to win. Um, so credit to those guys. And then I think, The bigger story is just Pittsburgh not being ready to play on their home ice with the playoffs right there for them if they win out.
1: I think that's a huge aspect that a lot of Blackhawks fans just don't realize, that Pittsburgh and Calgary really did not come up to show for those games, where their playoff selections are on the line, they're at home, they're hosting the Blackhawks, and the Blackhawks got amped up for those games and they took care of business. It just
0: shows you can't take them lightly either because Richardson and the coaching staff's always had them ready to play. And if you take them lightly for a second, they can take over a game like you saw in the third period. And
1: that's the second to last game of the season. Yeah. I, again, if you want to pull out silver linings from it, and I, I do think it's important to become aware of how these wins have happened because if this is what Luke Richardson is able to do with this type of roster. Imagine what he could do with a winning roster. And I also think that sitting guys or pulling up Anton Hudobin, which I've heard speculated out there, is as a possible way to ensure a loss for the Hawks, that's, gonna, that's not going to do well in the locker room. And every way that the Hawks have gone about this this year is truly the best way to go about it in their situation They're staying competitive in almost every game. They're making these games enjoyable and fun. And like Jack said, Luke Richardson mentioned at the beginning of the year that he wants other teams to look at the Hawks on their schedule and think, oh man, we got to get through Chicago. And clearly that's come to fruition in the second-to-last game of the year where Pittsburgh is in control of their own playoff destiny and they you-know-what the bed. I mean, that is... That's a motivated team right now. And as Jack said, without Lucas Reichel, without Alex Vlasic, Jared Tenorti, you could almost make the argument that Kyle Davidson in the front office signed an extension for Jared Tenorti so that he didn't have to worry about this year anymore. Yeah. And he could <laughs> sit. And that's, it's again, I don't know what you want them to do if you're still frustrated. By that victory. And I get it. I get what it turns into. But they've really done everything that they can to put themselves in a good position to get the number one overall pick. And they still can, by the way, because nothing is guaranteed. It is a lottery. But they've gone about it this way all year long. And here we are heading into the final game of the season, and it can still happen. A lot needs to happen. If the Hawks win tomorrow, or even get one point for that matter, against the Philadelphia Flyers, they cannot get the number one. I take that back. They cannot finish at the bottom of the NHL standings, which would then give them the best chances of landing the number one overall pick. No matter what happens, the Hawks have a chance of landing the number one overall pick. If anyone's confused by that, that is a clear-cut fact. Now, right now with the Hawks in third, the San Jose Sharks are the next closest team. The Hawks can't get worse than fourth. And by worse, I mean better, as in fifth. Uh, because the San Jose Sharks are two points ahead of the Hawks. But if San Jose picks up a win today, the Hawks are good. Actually, if they if they just pick up one point. So if you're in that rooting interest still, go San Jose. And we're, we we got to get to a break. There's still a lot to talk about with Jonathan Taves, possibly playing in his last game with the Hawks tomorrow night. But I'm going to put on my bad therapist hat and try to decipher what Blackhawks fans are yearning for right now and why some of them are reacting the way that they are after a win from last night's game. I want to remind you that Blackhawks Live is sponsored by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet, you get. Hawks will finish off the season tomorrow in Philadelphia. At the other end of this break, we'll talk about Jonathan Taves. Later on, we'll talk with Mike Gabsky, the reti- retiring head athletic trainer for the Blackhawks. And plenty more to get to. Blackhawks Live on 720 WGN. It's our second-to-last Blackhawks Live of the season. The Hawks will wrap up their year tomorrow against Philadelphia. If you'd like to text us or call 312 981 7200 is the phone number. Uh, getting one message asking, what are the percentage odds for the first-round pick for teams 1, 2, and 3? And that's for which teams fall in place of 1, 2, and 3 at the bottom of the standing. So, again... If the year ended tonight, Columbus would be the 32nd team in the standings. So they would get a 25.5% chance of landing the number one overall pick. The second team, which currently is the Anaheim Ducks, would be at 35.5%. So again, there's a pretty steep drop at 12%. But again, even if you are number one, you're given a quarter of a chance to land the number one pick. The number 3 slot, where the Hawks currently sit, have an 11.5% chance of landing the number 1 overall pick. So there isn't too much of a difference between 2 and 3. Now at 4, where the Hawks are still capable of landing, 9.5%. But again, it is a lottery. We're still not quite sure. I'm going to put on my bad therapist hat right now, and this is something I came to a conclusion with during last night's post-game show, because I get why Hawks fans would rather see some losses right now. And I get it's been a very long, tough year. And a year that we knew what the Hawks were going to somewhat look like heading into this season. We knew it was going to be a rebuild. We knew it was going to be tough. And we knew wins weren't going to be easy to come by. We were hoping it would be a competitive year. It has been. And it's been almost overly competitive to the point where the Hawks are Stunning teams, spoiling their playoff runs, beating the President's team trophy, rather, beating the President's trophy team in the Boston Bruins. But I get why Hawks fans might feel they're a little bit deprived of celebrating something and cheering for something, right? Because even if they play a tough game earlier on in the year, I guess opening night, home opener against Detroit game winner with Max Domi, that was that's something to cheer for, right? That's something to be excited about, but obviously Hawks fans were looking at the standings kind of right from the get go So now here we are at the final stages of the season. there really hasn't been anything to really root for, and now you've got something to root for, and they go and win the games so i i am I'm, I'm thinking that that's part of it if if I'm gonna diagnose Blackhawks fans who didn't ask me to do that, but I think that's part of it. You feel deprived, you're a sports fan, you want to root for something. Okay, this is something we can root for because it's going to benefit us down the line. And then it backfires on you. So I get where the frustration is brewing from. And again, I want to see Conor Bedard in a Blackhawks sweater too. It, all of this is not to justify the win against Pittsburgh, it's just to kind of put into perspective of why and how it happened. And the other thing is, I said this a lot on the post-game show last night, you've got a group of guys that are working their tails off, that are trying to be rewarded for that effort, and they haven't been, and that emotion plays into a game. That intensity, that drive will play into the game. That, that has an effect on the result on the ice. And I also think the previous game against the Minnesota Wild where the Hawks were up by a goal in the third period and couldn't close it out, I think that was fresh in their minds too because it was a quick turnaround on the road, I mean, nine times out of ten. Maybe even more than that. The second half of a back-to-back on the road against a team fighting for the playoffs and that was not the Blackhawks game to win, but they proved otherwise. In fact, when the Hawks took a 2-1 lead in that game in the third period, I was curious about the live betting. And the Hawks still weren't even favorites to win that game. That's how much That's how much Pittsburgh really messed up their opportunity. We're going to talk with Mike Gapski, the head athletic trainer for the Blackhawks, for 36 years after the news. It was a great chat. He's a southside guy. Uh, Have a few connections with Mike Gabsky, but I I told him this at the end of the interview, too, that it's just, it's so cool to see a homegrown product turn out to have that type of career. Nobody else has been with one team longer than Mike Gabsky in the NHL. And he's been around so long that if he were a team, he'd be the 22nd most winningest team in the NHL. How about that? I mean, the things that guy has seen, the players that guy has seen. And thankfully, he got rewarded with not one, not two, but three Stanley Cups. It almost feels like every sports fan should see one of their teams win the championship, regardless of the sport, at least once, just to know what it's like. And then anybody working in sports should have that experience as well. And thankfully, Mike Gapsky got that, and boy, did he. But he talks about a few things like the industry that he's involved in. I wanted to ask him about the Duncan Keith situation in 2010 when he get his, got his teeth knocked out on the ice. What kind of competitive drive does that guy have? And Marion Hosa too. I mean, we learned so much about Marion Hosa's situation in his book. And Mike Gapsky was referenced a few times in that book, and rightly so. And what that guy was going through. Also, tomorrow night could be Jonathan Taves' last game with the Blackhawks. What's your favorite Taves memory? Send us a text, 312 7200 Obviously, there's a ton. Obviously, everyone's probably got one. And it is, it's a little frustrating because we don't know. The uncertainty is, leaves it a little bit awkward heading into tomorrow. But I can't blame Jonathan Taves for that. With everything he's gone through, and how much he kind of put on himself just to return. When he took kind of a leave of absence, if that's what you want to call it, after the All-Star break, there was a lot of questioning. Do you think he'll be back? And at the time, I said I I did. I did think he'd be back because he was trying to get back, dealing with an injury, and it, it just hit a couple of snags. And the closer and closer it got towards the end of the year, you thought, okay, are we really going to see Jonathan Taves back? And then he did return, and not that it it seemed rushed, but it did seem a little bit surprise, surprising. But I, I think Taves made a made that pretty clear that, you know, he's looking at what possibly could be the end, and he doesn't want to let that just slip by. Troy Murray had mentioned he's seen a little bit more of a pep in, a, in Jonathan Taves' step. And we're seeing him smile a little bit more and, and be the last one out on the ice, taking up Kane's C- old role of being the last one out there during warm-ups and flipping pucks up to fans. And if this is the end for Jonathan Taves, at least he gets that. And I do hope he scores tomorrow. I, I, I don't care if I sound like a complete fanboy. I mean, everything that that guy has done, he deserves to have at least one more goal at the United Center and get that celebration. And he nearly did. Against Minnesota, which, boy, what a swing in that game that was. Hawks would have been up by two. They end up overturning it. And imagine if that is the last time that Jonathan Taves, quote-unquote, scores in a game for the Hawks. And just like Patrick Kane's last, again, quote-unquote, goal was overturned. Imagine if those two, that's how they go out in terms of their possible last goal with the team. We talk with Mike Gapsky after the news. He chats everything about being the Hawks athletic trainer for 36 years. But first, got to get to the WGN Northwestern Medicine Newsroom with David Jennings. Welcome back to Blackhawks Live on 720 WGN Radio. We're talking with the longtime head athletic trainer for the Chicago Blackhawks, Mike Gapsky, announcing his retirement after a long 36-year career. He's the most tenured NHL head athletic trainer to serve for one team. Mike, congratulations on your retirement. Do you know what you're going to do right away? Are you are you planning a trip, or are you just going to chill out for a bit?
2: Uh, thanks, Joe. No, I, I think we're just going to chill out here. It's summertime, and, and we've got a place in Michigan and, uh, that we go to and enjoy this summer, and I've done that every year for, like, the last five years. So we're just going to uh, do that, for, uh, come up now, and then... Uh, I guess when September comes, I'm, I'll, I must still be involved with the organization in terms of like helping with the transition period. So I'll be around for training camp and for like the first for the couple of months and stuff like that just to help um, the new hire to, to transition because, um, it's, you know, I've been around for a long time. I I'd probably, I'll, I'll do whatever I can to help them him, help him out.
1: I feel like is, is that a decent transition for you too to kind of ease out of the job?
2: it is you know I'm, I'm kind of excited to see i, I, I love the, the new the management like kyle and, and megan and and jeff and and um norm and it's I'm, I'm kind of it'd be nice to be around for a little bit to see how they can turn this around to, to get it back up again
1: actually to that point because obviously you're around so many different teams you're around so many different years and i mean Every team has a different dynamic and there's kind of a sense of a feel uh, in the locker room. But what is it about this team that even though, you know, the record hasn't gone as well as anyone would have hoped to? I mean, here they are a game left in the season and they're still fighting for their lives out in the ice. What is it about this group that has really brought them all together despite the record?
2: Uh, Well, we have a good group of guys. I mean, I love and I think they love Luke and the coaching staff. Uh, There's great communication with with all them, Um, and we're having fun. You know, these guys, even though they may on on paper, this talent might not be there. Um, I'm not the judge of that, Um, but uh, they work hard. I mean, I, I... and I, I watch, and as I guys go, I said one thing I can will say is like you you watch this team and they don't give up, um, and they, they just work really hard. I mean, you watched the game last night in history. It's like, geez, you know they got quite a on paper. They've got a great number, a great group of guys. And it's like, but we were just all over them, swarming them. And- and you you got to give that to the coaching staff because they get them going. We like to have fun with them in the locker room. Also, you know, for games and practices and stuff like that, we sit around, we joke, we have some good camaraderie, and you know, we're not sitting there, you know, crying, oh why poor me, you know, you know what's uh, you know we're in last place, blah, blah blah. Just go out there and and have fun and get them ready to go.
1: That's kind of cool. Aside from all the responsibilities that you have, you feel like you're kind of you and your staff are, are kind of the the a group to make things a little bit light a little bit more lighthearted, and, and keep things at ease for the players a little bit:
2: yeah I think we all do because you know we, we eat sleep and live together for like seven months a year for se- uh, 24 hours a day for seven months a year so it's just naturally inherent in, in, in human nature that you develop a relationship with these guys so you, you know you, it's it's a, a it constant you know you're joking this and you're having fun there and what you do last night it's, it's just a it's fun and then when it, you know game time comes you, you flip the switch and you're getting ready to go.
1: That's cool. How long did you think you'd have this job, Mike?
2: Um, I, when I first took the job, I was just hoping to make it half as long as Skip Fair did. He was there for, for 18 years, and I was just wow. hoping them to make it. And I knew little Skip a little bit, and I got to know him later after uh, I took, his, took over for him, and he moved to Florida and to, and to Pittsburgh. I got to know him. I, I loved the guy. He's a great guy. And I was just hoping that to, to make it to half of what he did, and I, not even knowing I would be here this long.
1: That's really cool. How how big of a hockey fan were you before getting this job?
2: Uh, we're from Chicago, uh, born and raised, and my mother and father were uh, big Blackhawk fans growing up. I mean, every Saturday night, even at Gavsky House, is a popcorn and Blackhawk night. So I think uh, my mother was more excited when I get the call to, to interview for the job than I was.
1: That's really cool. So it, it was a dream come true back in 1987 when you landed this gig, huh?
2: It, it was, I, I, I didn't anticipate it I liked teaching in college, I liked working at the university I, I hadn't anticipated going pro At that time um, If I were to go pro, the Blackhawks And the White Sox would have been my number, The Blackhawks would have been number one team The White Sox would have been number two team And so when the Blackhawks called me I was, I was excited and, and my mother was obviously really, really more excited And I, I uh, did a couple of interviews And they said, okay, this job's yours If you can come to terms terms with the, the general manager
1: Now obviously the NHL season is is a long one It can be grueling um, But a lot of people who work different sports Try to kind of compare the the schedules and the seasons Um, And they're all very different They're all very unique If you come from a baseball side of things Everyone says that hockey and basketball is a little bit more relaxed But then you talk to any of them and they say that football is the most relaxed Do you you feel like you would have fit in with any other type of schedule With any other type of sport Or or do you think it would have been hockey or, or nothing for you?
2: Um, pr- primarily hockey, but though I would have liked to challenge it because I did work baseball in college also. So I was a baseball hockey trainer. So I have experience with both. Um, but knowing how long the baseball schedule is, and I like my summers off after you know <laughs> teaching and being after the training in college, you get your summers off. So having the summers off for for as many years as I had, um, I'm really excited and glad that I got the job with the Blackhawks.
1: For sure. What what's a big part of this job that a lot of people don't realize?
2: Uh time commitment is, is one that it's it's, it's kind of like I know we do have summers off for the most part but you are never really off you're always you're a phone call away and, and stuff like that so it's time commitment um, uh, and it, and it's because it's uh, you know you're you're set by schedule and you you have no control over that so that's kind of the the hardest part but it's then again I mean I love the camaraderie camaraderie of, of being with the guys on a daily basis and you know having the fun we do in the training rooms and you know making sure they're taken care of looked after and and getting what they need to you know, get ready to, to, to perform that night. You know, I just, we're the guys in the background just kind of getting the talent uh, ready to ready to go on stage.
1: We're talking with Mike Gapsky, he's the head athletic trainer for the Blackhawks, announcing his retirement after 36 years. Uh, what about Young athletes getting into hockey or any other sport for that matter. What would you say or recommend is is some of your advice for for looking to pursue a professional career in sports, something that they might not know, one of the most like mis- common misconceptions about young athletes these days.
2: I, I don't really think they realize how hard it is. I mean, the, how the work that the work that these guys have been put into it. Um, you know, you look at a guy like I watched Camer on a daily basis for the last seventeen years or how many years we have, and he's he's the first one on the ice. He's the last one off the ice. Taser, the same thing. All these guys that you know they don't they don't want to get off the ice. They don't want practice to be over. They just, they just want to stay out there and, and just continue to get better. And, and it's a, it's a dedication. It's uh, you know, but you have to be willing to put the work in. It's not one of those things where. Uh, you just okay, you know. Some kids are talented, but you, you don't get by it on talents alone. You get by, you by. You have to have talents along with the hard work and the desire to to win.
1: Well, sometimes, I mean, especially in hockey, we see players that are maybe too determined to work too hard and maybe too stubborn but that's just because it's in their DNA as competitors do you ever have to did you ever have to you know kind of show your expertise and and your uh, all the experience that you've had and kind of tell a player no you gotta you gotta let up a little bit here you gotta gotta take a breather because a lot of those guys don't like to do that
2: yeah, there's there some occasions like that. I mean, there is because guys are really competitive. They want to work all the time. It's like, okay, just because a little's good doesn't mean a lot. There, you know, you because you, especially in the rehab business, you know, I don't want the, the players or anything to develop like a tendonitis or tendonitis, something like that. So, you know, let's just follow our rules and follow our lead. And just you know, we, we, we know what we're doing. We've been doing this for a long time. Just kind of go along with that, and it'll it'll all, it'll all fall in place.
1: You've been around so long, I can't ask you to pinpoint a, a favorite player or maybe even who the toughest player you think you've ever dealt with, but um, just kind of want to go through a few of the uh, examples of toughness from Chicago Blackhawks, and I guess we'll have to start with Duncan Keith in the 2010 Western Conference Final. I know the, the Blackhawks have a team dentist, but can you kind of mm-hmm. take us back to that moment when Duncan Keith loses his chicklets out on the ice?
2: Yeah, it was. He it, it got hit in the mouth, lost his teeth, went in the train room, and I mean, fortunately for him. Uh, the teeth were completely knocked out, uh, and that so there was no nerve nerve exposures, which made it easier for us to kind of numb him up a little bit and, and just uh, and get him back in the game. Because uh, for, for that type of injury, you know, as long as he did have he didn't have a, he did not have a significant laceration, just something as I means as minor sutures, but then we were able to, to to use you know medications to to, to numb his teeth, just like yes, you would go into any dentist. They would numb it up, and he would his mouth was fine, and come out there and ready to go again that that was a a tough injury I I, I tell you what that guy's got so he's he's tough
1: (laughs) but uh, I mean that's just kind of hockey players right I mean we saw Max Domi earlier this year get a few teeth knocked out and he comes back in the third period he scores a goal I mean it's almost like if if you're not out there then then something's wrong with you (laughs)
2: it is yeah that's that 's the old school mentality and it's, uh, it 's uh those guys well that max doby 's dad played in the league and Keith he was one of the fiercest <clears throat> one of the fiercest competitors he, you know he 's not missing a game no matter what even though you know he 's he's, he's worked hard his whole life he 's always researching new stuff to do and you know working with us and it 's uh uh it's it's been a pleasure working with him. i love working with that guy he's he's a he's a different bird and you know these young kids follow him around they're going to they're gonna learn some uh, important life skills life lessons and what it's like to be a professional athlete
1: that's pretty cool all right lastly got to ask about marion hosa i mean obviously his book shed so much light on what he was dealing with obviously you were mentioned a few times in that but what what type of things did you learn about Marion Hose's competitive nature with everything that he went through, especially in the 2013 playoffs?
2: Uh, he, he's probably one of my favorite players of all time. He's, he's, a, he's a class guy. He always treated us with respect and and well. Never lost his cool. Never lost anything. And he's just he's just a like a, a fierce competitor. And that was tough on him. I mean, we, we went through a lot, and it, it was a lot to manage. But we, as long as we managed the appropriately, we were able to, to get him through. What we did, and we just we, we put, you know it's hard to really describe how uh, difficult it was. But uh, you know, at the end of the day. Um, as long as we monitored the things closely, we were able to keep it in check, and he was able to continue to perform.
1: Well, Mike, I really appreciate the time you've given us today. Obviously, you're a big part of Blackhawks history, and, and to be part of that dynasty era too, your your name's always going to be etched and attached to those teams. And coolest thing I think about you, Mike, is how how homegrown you are, how true you stay to that, but uh, how well you're respected throughout everybody, and it's it's totally understood. I, you are the reason I first got to see the Stanley Cup, so I want to personally thank you for that. Um, that and uh, yeah, it's it's just been really cool to uh to be on the outside looking into your whole career and congratulations on the retirement very well deserved thanks joe i really appreciate it all right take care that is mike Gabsky. we'll have more blackhawks live coming up 720 WGN. i always appreciate jack heinrich's homework and remembering that i really enjoy this song in this bump how long by the players. Final stop here on Blackhawks Live. Our second to last show. Regular season wraps up tomorrow against Philadelphia. Jack Heinrich, what's your favorite Jonathan Taves memory?
0: Um, sorry, I was getting the music off. Um,
1: probably... You're doing your job, that's okay.
0: <laughs> probably um, when he got the cup for the first time in 2010, and then he's skating around and then he gives it to Hosa first. I think it just shows what kind of leader he is. How old were you then? 13? Wow. 12? I I don't really remember it that well. I was kind of like sleeping a little in and out because <laughs> it was a li- little later, but I do remember them winning
1: at the end. 13 years old. I think it was like a Friday night, too. You were you were going to bed at 13 I, years dude, old? I don't remember.
0: Oh. Yeah, I had early bedtime, man.
1: If it were a Northwestern game, you'd probably be up and, I, in purple. Lo- huh? Locked in. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that, that That is a good memory, though, and it's funny because I remember exactly my buddy saying, Oh, yeah, well, it's, you know, obviously the captain gets it first, but it's always who gets it second. And right as he said that, he handed it to Marion Hossa. I thought it was really cool what Michael Gapsky was saying about Marion Hossa and just what type of competitor he was. I do want to say one cool story because Mike Gapsky's the reason I got to touch the puck or touch the cup for the first time ever after that 2010 Stanley Cup championship. He's from the south side, and he was bringing it to the rooftop of Sambucas in Payless Heights. And I think it's changed now. I think it's just called the rooftop. But people were waiting. The line got longer and longer and longer. And people started leaving because they got tired of waiting. So the, the line keeps moving up to the rooftop. It keeps moving up. And finally, we're up at the rooftop. And the sun's down. We're like, all right, is this Stanley Cup coming or not? And all of a sudden, the owner of the restaurant comes up and says, all right, Guys, I'm sorry, we got way too many people here. We're past the fire code. I'm going to just randomly pick a person right here, and everyone behind has to go. And we were like three people back of where he drew that line. And I'm with my uncle and my younger cousin. My cousin's like six. And I'm like, Jack, start crying. His name, Jackson, actually, ironically. I'm like, start crying. And he starts working up fake tears. Nice. And then somebody from like the more front of the line as we're walking out, I'm like, hey, man, maybe another 49 years you'll be able to see the Stanley Cup. And he's like, hey, hey, come here, come here, get in line. So we snuck in line. Mike Gapski came up with the Stanley Cup. The line went berserk once he came up with the cup. There was no law and order anymore. Everyone just started rushing up to the cup, touching it, kissing it, taking pictures of it with their old flip phones. Nice. That's and good. And uh, we, we could have had an opportunity to take a picture with it, but we didn't. Uh, that whole moment was cool enough, anyway. And I, I bring that up because three times the Hawks won the cup. Three times Mike Gavsky got his day with it, and it seemed like every time, all he wanted to do was share it with the neighborhood. That's cool. In that area, like I said, he he brought it to the rooftop bar. Uh, I know he brought it to Bourbon Street one year on 115th. I know he. I I, I actually he told me. Otherwise, after our conversation, I thought he hosted a graduation party with it. And, I mean, how cool are you if you have the Stanley Cup at your graduation party? That's awesome. But I know his kids got to, like, eat cereal out of it in the morning. And just really, really cool. Um, Yeah, stick taps to Mike Gapsky, somebody that everyone in that organization is very, very fond of, and rightly so. 36 years doing that job. Uh, My favorite Jonathan Tave story? I'm not quite sure, but I kind of like... And this is more of a Brent Seabrook story, but in the series against the Detroit Red Wings where Jonathan Taves gets a penalty. I forget which game it was, but it's obviously the series. The Hawks were down three games to one. And Taves in the penalty box, and he is just fuming. So upset, and Brent Seabrook skates in there, kind of gives him a hard hit on the helmet, and just takes him in, says a few words of encouragement, a few words of leadership, and then... Obviously, the Hawks win that series. They end up winning the Cup that year. But just always like that moment because it just shows you you could be the most important leader on the team in that moment. But you gotta you gotta still do what's right for the entire team, and he did. But it kind of took one of his leaders and his teammates to help him get to that stage. I think that's one of the more iconic pictures from the the Hawks Stanley Cup dynasty. Yeah, that. Uh, I think I think should be pushed out there a little and bit And that just more.
0: shows his leadership because even this year, they're like, Tavis has let all the young guys like Mackenzie Entwistle step up and show your voice. So he's fuming, and another guy came up and put him in check. So that just shows how he's kept that room open to pretty much everybody.
1: From the 516 Area Code, Joe, the interview with the Hawks trainer was weak. It could have been nice to ask what his responsibilities are, stories during the Cup years and the Chicago Stadium. I felt like I did ask some Cup years stories, but... Okay. I, I, I I'm, I'm Another sorry. satisfied customer. <laughs> another <laughs> satisfied customer. Uh, all right, maybe I'll try to ask Mike Ebsky a little bit more later on. That's going to do it for our second-to-last episode of Blackhawks Live. Final game tomorrow night against the Philadelphia Flyers. 7.30 puck drop, 7 o'clock FanDuel Sportsbook pregame show. Don't want to miss it. Could be Tave's last game with the Hawks. That's going to do it for Blackhawks Live. Thanks for listening for another week.